What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Ben, here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. Second rip of the day. I'm posting this right away. I just recorded with Paul Atoy, one of the co-founders of Sphinx Chat. I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast, you've been hearing me talk about Sphinx Chat a lot. It is, again, one of my favorite apps that's natively built on Bitcoin, particularly the Lightning Network. It allows you to send messages over the Lightning Network fully end-to-end encrypted, stored and sent from hardware that you control top of that it's helping us monetize tftc with the value for value model i hope you like the episode with alex epstein that we dropped earlier today and I, I never like to do two episodes in one day but i mean the conversation that we just had is just it's too fucking bullish it's too mind melting i need to get it into the hands of the freaks as soon as possible really funny that i'm gonna do some ad reads uh in front of this episode but i think what Paul is building will help us get away. I'm actually pretty certain it's going to help us get away from ad raids. I, I wouldn't be surprised if 2022 uh, is the year that TFTC goes completely ad-free across the board, thanks to people like Paul. Thanks to Paul specifically and the team at Sphinx for, for what they're building. I'm finally pronouncing it right. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash apps helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats. We're saying sats, 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 sats because sats are the standard. There's 100 million sats in one Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can stack sats. You can buy as little as one cuck buck worth of sats on the Cash App. Currently, that's going to get you like 1,600 sats. You're getting less sats for your cuck buck every day now, it seems. You can DCA into sats. You can set it and forget it. Set a set amount that you buy daily, weekly, biweekly on the Cash App. Uh, now, they just announced you can send sats to cash app users using cash tags for free so you can just send bitcoin to to people on cash app automatically now pretty dope just put in their cash tag the amount of bitcoin you want to send them up to a certain limit as dictated by the app and and you send it to them all right use the code stacking sats if you haven't downloaded the cash app yet that's s-t-a-c-k-i-n-g-s-a-t-s you're going to get ten dollars and ten dollars going to go to our good friends at owls across that's owls across Owls across. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains, B R A I I N S dot com. Go check them out. They've been doing incredible things uh, in the Bitcoin space for quite some time. They're the team behind Slush Pool. Uh, they bought uh, the remaining minority stake of Slush Pool from Slush, the founder of Slush Pool, last summer. It was announced earlier this year. Jan and Pavel are the two co founders. They've been on this episode this episode they've been on tales from the crypt before episode 99 uh edward evenson edward evenson has been on the podcast uh as well actually i think jan and pavel were number 73 and edward evenson was number 199 uh we're talking about how they operate the pool how they're basically building services for miners on top of that which is manifested it most famously and, and most aggressively in, in Brains OS Plus, their, their firmware that they offer miners that they can download, makes the miners more efficient and enables them to stack more stacks, okay? Stack more sats. All right, Brains, they've also been big, staunch Bitcoin supporters throughout their whole history, never mind Bcash or any of the other shit forks. They've, they've discovered Amplead and patched it for miners, uh, they're building Stratum V2, which will help distribute the mining pool layer. They're just doing incredible things all around. Go check them out. They have a mining profitability calculator. If you're a miner and you want to see how profitable your rig 
has the potential to be at a certain cost of electricity, they have that tool for you. Go to brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot C-O-M, and check them out. Shout out to the Brains team for supporting the show. Also, another team coming to us from from the Eastern European area, Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle has their Lend program, or Lend platform, excuse me, which is now available to U.S. citizens, okay? And it's available. They're able to do this because it's not custodial. So there's, you're never giving up custody. You, you put your Bitcoin up as collateral in a multi-sig escrow. You always hold one key, uh, and you, you can always track to make sure that Bitcoin's not being rehypothecated. They can't move it without uh, without the the escrow service, without hodl hodl, or um, it, it's just stuck in that multi-sig. All right, so you put your Bitcoin up as collateral. You don't sell it. You get some liquidity in the form of stable coins, and then you go spend them however you see fit and cash them out for dollars in the traditional system. Uh, on top of that, if you have stable coins, uh, you can put them up and, and get uh, get yield on that. All right, this is a platform where individuals meet anonymously around the world. You, you come to the lend.hodlhodl.com, their platform. You come to an agreement with a counterparty. You put Bitcoin up as collateral, and you get liquidity. It's pretty beautiful, leveraging the native properties of Bitcoin. Hodl, Hoddle is an incredible company. Lend.hoddlehoddle.com is the is the product that is available to U.S. citizens. Again, no KYC, no AML. You have control. You can enter this anonymously. It's pretty beautiful. Go check them out. And then go check out our friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is uh, basically allowing individuals, the plebs, to to get into the mining game. All right, you they're taking away all the obscurity, all the pain, and the 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 work of trying to get a miner and then plug it in at a at a competitive electricity price all right so they're helping you source miners you pick which miner model you want you buy that miner they get it for you and then you pick which hosting uh service or excuse me hosting facility you want it to to be hosted at they have very transparent electricity costs they're very competitive electricity cost and you basically buy the miner they source it for you. They plug it in at the facility that you pick, and then they plug it in. You start stacking sats via mining. They're helping to distribute mining and get more individuals involved. And again, they're taking away all the pain involved with that process. So go to Compass Mining, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.com to check all this out. Tell them TFTC sent you. Big things going on, freaks. Big things going on. Uh things things are happening i'm very extremely bullish right now and after this chat with paul i can see the light at the end of the tunnel we can get we can get away from this digital panopticon and we can create this value for value economy and it, it's going to happen on bitcoin you don't need shit coins you don't need other tokens you don't need other blockchains it's going to happen in a layered fashion on top of bitcoin it is happening right now it's incredible this blew my mind enjoy it You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, 
You probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here for a very, very special episode. I'm extremely excited to be sitting down with the gentleman I'm sitting down with to talk about one of my favorite apps in the Bitcoin space, which is Sphinx Chat. Sphinx Chat. I think I'm pronouncing it right. I'm sitting down with the founder, co-founder of Sphinx, Paul Atoy. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Marty. I was saying, like I, I stopped from uh, from gushing over you in the app before I hit record because I want to make sure uh, it, it hits the airwaves and, and the freaks that may be unaware of what's going on understand just how much I love the product that you've built and what it's enabled me to do as a content creator in terms of monetizing my content and then engaging with the audience uh, that that listens to this podcast and uh, it's just been incredible. Uh, using the app for the last geez feels like five six months almost now every day i use it every day i love it music to our ears and of course we've got a team of people working on this so i feel a little guilty about being the lone voice here but sometimes that's the easiest way to explain something but uh we have an amazing team um, from design all the way down to coding that i just feel lucky to be working with every day seriously i know people say that a lot but i really do wake up every day feeling like that I mean, well, you guys are on the cutting edge, right? It feels like the cutting edge, at least. We're, we're leveraging Bitcoin and more particularly the Lightning Network to, to change the way content's monetized and beyond that, the way teams communicate. And, and so before we jump into everything we can do with the apps that you're building, like how did it come to be? What drove you to, to sort of produce this, this particular product? Well, you know how you get keyed up on a topic or just start to look? Um, I was previously running an app that taught people how to do keto back before it was pretty accepted. So we used to never talk about it. I would never tell anyone what I was working on because you're always embarrassed to bring it up because you were someone pumping a fad diet, right? And in that space back in 2015, 2016, if you were a physician or a coach or nutritionist or dietitian and you recommended it to someone you could get, you lose your license. People got sued. Look at Tim Noakes. Look at a lot of these people, Patricia Daly. So I started looking at how do you actually communicate with someone and also pay them because these people need to get paid for their advice and their services without necessarily doxing either party. Because I might not want to share that I'm paying for this and the person getting paid might not want to share. And so that's what had me looking for a solution like this way back then. Um, and when I saw the lightning white paper, um, it was really, A, I didn't get it at first. It took a long time to understand and reading other people were writing about lightning and found that, whoa, this could do it. Uh, and that was several years ago. So it's been a long process, so. Yeah, well, the app is very well fleshed out and has gone beyond your original vision and, and really touched something that I'm passionate about. Obviously it's just podcasting and, and helping to preserve the decentralized nature of podcasting, which many would consider for the last bastion of, of hope for, for the ability to have decentralized, non-censorable content on the web. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we, I don't know if you remember, but I think, um, you know, I met Keto Miner from Noddle. Um, those guys, Laurent and, and Keto Miner, um, when I first started exploring this whole thing and they started talking about your podcast and that's actually, I found your podcast a while ago 
And so one of our first thoughts was, how can we use this for micropayments for podcasting? But it took a long time and it took the Adam and Dave at Podcasting 2.0 to get the index together. And that's a key piece to this whole thing too. But I actually think that audio and specific pod, specifically podcasting, um, because it's kind of underdeveloped, there's no community around podcasts. You can't really, I can listen to your show and I could have strong thoughts about it in my car but how do I connect with the other listeners, right? It's not something you can really do today. Um, and so that's why we built the tribes and we built all this stuff around it as well. Because it's not just providing support, but also creating that group that you can talk to the people that are part of your listener base and, and get a two-way communication going. And, and more importantly, getting them meeting each other and talking to each other. Yeah, no, actually right before we hopped out, not right before, about an hour before um, we we hopped on the air here. I, I threw in our tribe, our TFTC tribe. Like, does anybody have any questions? And lo and behold, the only person with a question is, is the pro basketball player. He just brought into the tribe, Delhi. Um, we'll get to his question um, eventually, but I, it's just incredible. Like the, the direct connection I have my audience now, at, at least the audience that's uh, consuming the Tales from the Crypt content via the Sphinx chat. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. It does feel like a, like a, an exclusive club and seeing people like Adam Curry in there. Uh, now we have uh, Delhi uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers hopping in, asking questions, using this app and leveraging Bitcoin. It's, it's beautiful to see. And he gets it. And, um, and in the show notes, it'd be great to put a link to his Bitcoin 101 write-up he did, which... Um, you know, he sent it to me and I thought, okay, he's pro basketball player. How is he going to have time to write a good write up on Bitcoin, which has been done many times. Right. And I share that one more often than anything else. It does a great job of covering the topic for someone completely new. So we should definitely promote that and share that out because he, he must've put a ton of work into it and it's fantastic. Yeah. It's great. I mean, Bitcoin is just starting to touch everything and bringing in people from all walks of life. It's Feels like it's happening. Feels like it's happening. And I, I know. And it's great. And I should explain a little bit. I mean, I'm sure people have heard you talk about it, which I appreciate and we appreciate on the team that you've been really leading the charge on um, building a community around your podcast and, and talking about Sphinx Chat and getting it right. Because when I explain this to people, I went to a lightning, I think the FOMO lightning meetup in New York two years ago. And I went there wanted to talk about chat, like how do you chat over lightning? And it went over like uh, crickets. People just looked at me like I was crazy. Um, and one other guy was working on it and uh, to see it come this far, it's just great. So, um, and the guys at Lightning Labs and others who have worked so hard on the layer one and then layer two, what we're doing is just using the protocol that they built and basically putting text into a payment protocol. So anyone who's using Sphinx out there, if you're wondering, we don't do a great job of explaining this stuff yet. Every bit of content is encrypted on your phone with a private key. And so before it ever leaves your device, it's being encrypted. Secondly, it's not going through a centralized server. You're moving things over the Lightning Network. So it is peer to peer. And then third, the protocol itself, because it's Lightning, you're talking over a payment protocol. So you're not trying to tack on payments to a speech protocol or a text protocol, which is why the, I would argue the internet's broken. You're taking a payment protocol and adapting it for talking to each other. And it just inc increases the privacy set and use cases for Lightning. So I think it really does go hand in hand. 
Yeah, it's insane when you think about it. It's like you're using Bitcoin <laughs> to to text message people and to to use Bitcoin the way it's supposed to be used to to send value to others who are providing value for you in some way or another. It's I don't think people grasp the the gravity and the magnitude of of how innovative this is and and how it can change many things just beyond podcasting uh, in general. Like so hypothetically, like with this messaging protocol built on Lightning, like you can create very unique apps that uh, sort of per- or that make it so it like doesn't it's too costly to spam. Like uh, yeah. I think on Preston Pish's podcast I was on a few weeks ago. I mentioned Sphinx and described that. And then it was like, if you were to apply this to other social media, because like the example I use, like when he tweeted out that I was going to be on his podcast, literally my notifications just got flooded with, with Twitter bots and yeah, yeah. like the ability with messaging over lightning and, and graining that inherently natively in new apps, you can sort of make it so that that type of activity is too costly. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because everything can require a payment, then you can require, we do something in the tribe where every time I post to your tribe, I'm actually paying a couple sats to just post the message, which you could set to zero if you want, but I think you also have the right to set it to earn from interactions from people in your tribe. But then also what's happening in the background, you can set an amount that's a deposit for every post. So if you have a new user who comes in and, and just writes a spammy post, you're taking say a 50 sat or 100 sat deposit for that post. And if you, you have 12 hours as the admin or 24 or whatever you wanna to set to delete that post. And if you do, the person doesn't get their deposit back. So you can scale. One of the problems with all of these things like Twitter or Telegram or, or any of the groups is that as the group size grows, the admin chores grow with the spam because you get bigger you attract spammers you attract bots now the admin is going hey this is great but the headwind is i have to delete all these bad actors so if the system itself can allow people in keep in mind it's pseudonymously right you you don't know who these people are they're coming in but the system itself prevents these pseudonymous people from acting poorly so you can build the financial incentive into the chat itself to prevent the bad actors yeah that's another incredible thing. Like everybody has, most people have a nickname, don't use their real name. I, I don't know who most people are in our tribe, which is a really cool thing as well. And you can set, we added this recently, you can set a different nickname for every tribe you join. Really? Yeah. That's pretty So cool. that's great. And, and we're just trying to increase the privacy everywhere we can. And it's not going to be perfect day one, but um we're on that path, right? And you can see what the goal is by just putting it all the pieces out there and getting the ball rolling, but also hopefully getting more and more people involved in the development process. But back to that tribe thing for a second, I don't think that most people play this out until I talk to talk about this topic at length. But if you think about these, the whole concept of freedom to assemble, right? You're doing more and more things are happening online. And so now you can get together in a tribe like this but they've always been limited by that spam issue. The bigger you get, the more you attract and the more linearly this this sort of anti-spam efforts have to be. But if you remove that and you kind of have the system itself take care of it, how big can these groups get? I don't know if there's necessarily a limit to the size of the groups. That and then, again, going back to, I'm sorry, I don't know why 
I got a little distracted. I'm sure you can hear the Slack notification in the background. I've turned off Slack on my desktop and my phone. I've turned my phone off and everything. It's still feeding me notifications. So sorry for that confusion. But on top of that, like due to the incentives baked in with the staking and the power that the admins have to to deflect spam, like the the quality of conversation can improve significantly. I really think it can. We just need to get more people in now. And now that we've did a big release on Monday of the system, anyone with a node and with a channel um, can now support the Uncle Jim model where you can bring other people onto your node. So you could run your own node on a Raspberry Pi and then you could support in theory, thousands of people onboard them onto your node. And then if they decide they get a pub key, they get to spend, they can join tribes, they can do whatever anyone else can do on the system, but they don't necessarily have to have a channel day one. They're basically sharing your channel and your infrastructure. And then if they then wanna go off and do it on their own, they can take their pub key with them and install it on their own node and move on. So we need to make that process easier and more private, but the whole idea is to get people experiencing it without necessarily having to set up a server themselves and open a channel. So any podcaster out there could get a node, get a channel, and then onboard their audience and build their tribe without necessarily having every single one of those people do it themselves. So that's a huge change. So we call it Uncle Jim or multi-tenant or whatever you're going to call it. And um, that's, uh, that's uh, going to be a big, um, a big change in how we can bring people on. Because right now, the people who have tried to join, we have nodes every now and then on our webpage. And now Umbral, MyNode, and Raspberry Pi Blitz and Noddle all support. I think Noddle doesn't have it out quite yet, but the first three all support Sphinx installs as part of the home node setup, which we're really stoked about. Awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's massive, especially if it becomes like a go-to for these node, node softwares, uh, node in a box, node stack in a box, if you will. They start including this just to be massive for onboarding and the ability for me to just onboard users via my node is is pretty massive and so what else went into this refactor that's what you've reached out earlier this week or last week like yeah we're about to finish this refactor it's a good time to talk so how how do you plan on getting the message out there and how can i help getting this in more hands like for well, instance, if you're listening to this right now download the sphinx chat yeah we're now in the app store you can download the apk from our website if you're on android we have um, Mac desktop is also approved in the Mac app store. Uh, we have Windows and Linux. Um, so all that's available. So any device you can use. Some people are having trouble on graphene, but if you're a graphene user, give it a try. Adam's using graphene. It says it works fine. So it might be a settings issue there. But pretty much any device, you can actually use Sphinx and it's completely synchronized, just like iMessage or any of the other chat apps. So when you get a new message on your phone, you're seeing it in your desktop. And you mentioned Slack before we use, you can create private tribes. So our development team, we have a channel or a tribe on desktop that's hooked up to GitHub. It can be hooked up to any of the continuous integration tools exactly like Slack. So we completely stopped using Slack internally. And we can even do Zoom features. If you look at the top, you'll see that phone icon, you can do audio, video, screen share right from within a tribe or within any chat. And that opens a Jitsi call, which is an open source stand, uh, open source version of Zoom. Yeah. So, 
it's not just for tribes and podcasts. It's actually for internal communication, Slack, whatever it is. And you could have a contractor there and actually pay them through the tribe itself. Pretty wild, right? So I could work with a developer where normally they'd have to dox themselves to get paid, but you can say, I'll just send you some stats right in the tribe. (laughs) (laughs) If if you're not grasping (laughs) the magnitude of this, I know. Please take I feel like you. Get, I don't know how you. What in your background made you sort of recognize this? Because you know we have not talked about this. If I think we have tweeted a couple times, we've tried to get enough users. In tech, you have the whole concept of minimum viable product, right? So we have minimum viable beta, which is the fewest number of people to get you good feedback. But you don't want a ton of people on a product that's half baked, and so we've been approaching this as there's just a ton to do here before this is even barely tolerable. And I'd say we're at the barely tolerable phase and um, just minimize the pain across people, but you need enough people to get their feedback. I mean, from obviously big fan of Bitcoin, I think somebody has been podcasting for almost four years now and seeing the transition to the sort of siloed uh, platform model that's been replicated or been brought to market by YouTube and, and iTunes and other stuff like that. Um, no, Spotify trying to take podcasters. Like, I think it's important to, to keep it open. And so like, that's what drew me initially. Cause, uh, Escuedo from, from the Nautil team, he's actually been talking about, he's, he tried to get me to set up my podcast on here like last year. And honestly, I just didn't have time. And at that point, like it was uh, not gonna lie, just like too confusing to, to figure out how to navigate the app. Um, but after speaking with Adam Carey for a little bit and talking to him about podcasting 2.0 and, and not understanding how easy it was to connect that, I believe Escuedo helped me out there too. It's like, all right, it actually probably makes more sense for you to do this now. So was, I think it was like August or September of last year, we, we linked up um, TFTC for the first time. And beyond that, like, so before we even like, put the podcast in it just the fact that you're chatting over lightning and under and like knowing that it was end-to-end encrypted like once i confirmed that it was like using the the app to chat with the squado i believe maybe yourself even like in the early days um yeah. with my initial initial sphinx um node i was like is this encrypted and are we using lightning and like once yeah. it's like that it's like you can't stop this <laughs> like it's ridiculous like that just the chat aspect alone blew my mind and was like this is the way it needs to happen and i feel like and this i think at first may not have been widely accepted but lightning adoption is hard right when you want to adopt a new technology there's the whole thing of frequency and breadth right so you have to have a reason to use it frequently and for me being in this space i do not really use lightning that often to buy things like I'm not generating lightning invoices I'm not buying stickers that often I just don't do it that much if I were into gaming I might be doing it more but so I looked at the you know and our whole team did but we looked at this as communications everyone communicates right and people increasingly will want to communicate using infrastructure that they control you want you don't want to get kicked I mean look at parlor I mean you don't want to build an audience on someone else's platform Right. And then you also want to be able to get paid. 
And now we've seen what Visa and everyone did to Pornhub and all these different companies that got deplatformed for payments and some way less controversial than Pornhub. But they get kicked off these payment platforms. So you have not only your community platform, but how you even make money literally getting your bank transfer done. Um, and you realize that you're vulnerable the whole way down. So having the ability to just own your own stack, be your own bank, be your own community manager, be your own payment rails. This is where I think, uh, I think, I hope, especially Bitcoiners will get to that hyper Bitcoinization, the adoption of Bitcoin as a reserve currency certainly isn't guaranteed, but that's going very well, right? That's happening. You can just see the pieces falling into place. And in this future world, are you really going to go back and use Visa and all these different tools necessarily to do day-to-day -day things? I, I, I think that um, the adoption of Bitcoin will affect the entire stack up and down, well, not just tech, but everything. Right. And I, th I think you mentioned it earlier in this conversation, like the internet arguably is, is designed improperly, at least at the, the payments layer, right? And like what you're building very, very acutely highlights like just how bork the payments layer of the internet is and what it can be if something like lightning were widespread like again like it can be the new base layer for the communications protocol of the world the internet and and the fact that it's peer-to-peer -peer, like i'm running my node and receiving all these messages receiving all these sats that are being streamed to me as people are listening to tftc on this app i can go to great american mining and say hey guys Let's get off Slack. Let's get on Sphinx. We can communicate here using Bitcoin, just completely Bitcoinize our whole company. It's it's wild to think about. And like you said, the, the store value narrative is certainly extremely bullish and extremely interesting and, and innovative all in and of itself. But like, there's so much more to this. There's so, so, so much more to this. And, and it's going to, you know, it's going to disrupt much more than money. And it, nothing, at least to me, makes that more evident than than using sphinx and again i use it every day i listen well to the i i can give you a specific example where let's say that you were trying to do this on patreon so someone would have to support you if you're trying to go ad free and get rid of any self-censorship that comes with it right and it always comes with some right you just it, even if it's in the back of your mind um you have to just it, it just gets ingrained into all content if it's advertiser driven and i used to be in advertising so i'm saying that with from some from some experience on the other side. Um, but there's an example. I mean, this uh, Sphinx comes out of Stackwork, right? So we have people, Stackwork is a microtask marketplace where, and this is the original thing that we spun out Sphinx from. I mean, this, the, the project itself comes out of this company. Uh, it's how we pay our bills. So, um, so we have people all over the place where we don't know their identity and they log into a website and they do small tasks, basically train, training, you know, image labeling, um, anything that um, you know, artificial intelligence needs to basically train models is a typical type of batch of tasks that we would do. So if you have a self-driving car, you have to draw boxes around all the stop signs and all the cars, that's what our type of user would work on. And our customer would pay us fiat to do that. Then we buy Bitcoin, put those in the channels and pay sats to people around the world to do those tasks. So if you have a mobile phone and a login, you can actually turn your time directly into sats. It's pretty wild. It's a different on-ramp. 
right? And we want to see that grow because that'll just give us more money to um, invest in things like Sphinx. But then I have a Sphinx user who um, had no idea what Bitcoin is. Someone heard Elizabeth Stark from Lightning Labs talk about stack work and a relative said, hey, you should go on this website and earn Bitcoin or earn sats. And this person just started doing tasks and didn't even know what Bitcoin was really. Heard the word, didn't know what it was, didn't know what a sat was, didn't know what sat was related to Bitcoin. Started earning the tasks. Then we enabled the ability to get paid from Stackwork directly to Sphinx. So Sphinx can log you into Stackwork, you do tasks, then you get paid. It key sends the sats over to your Sphinx wallet. Then that user got into Bitcoin and is listening to your podcast using Sphinx. And some of the money they earn from the tasks they do is going back to you. The circular economy begins to close. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's insane. But you could never, you would, I mean, but even if someone were listening to your podcast in Turkey or in Syria or wherever, right? How are they going to support your content in that value for value model that Adam talks about, right? There's no rail that gets you the value that they want to send you. No. And then again, like going back to the circuit, like this is, this is the only rail I get. And that's the, so that's one thing, again, like people very highly focused on store value narrative and Bitcoin, the token, but they don't, they often overlook the, the power of the network side of things, whether it be at the protocol level, level or now at the lightning level. level. The network is the network aspect of, of this, of Bitcoin is just as revolutionary, if not more than the scarce digital token aspect of it because that network allows you to send and do things with that scarce digital token that, that was never possible with any other type of asset in human history up to this point. And I think that's an important distinction. I think that there's maybe a segmentation of people in the space right now, but there's people who really see and get layer one, right? And Bitcoin is an investment and it's digital gold and I'm investing for the future. And that's, I think, critical, right? Without that, nothing else here works, right? So unless people value this, the layer one is vulnerable, right? Miners wouldn't mind, the whole thing falls apart unless people value this. But then layer two is more about, well, let's say that people interact, there's friction to interacting with layer one for sure. And it's not about buying coffee or anything like that, but, if you think about that stack worker in Indonesia or Turkey or wherever they are, they're not on an exchange and they're not in a mode where they have extra income where they're looking to buy an investable asset, right? They're looking to earn. I need to supplement my income and better my life right now. I have extra time, I have a phone, let me increase my, my earnings. So what they're doing through Lightning is, this is kind of the, Lindy is, I look at Lindy as layer one, right? And Ginny is, the real potential for Lightning is just to spread the value of the asset or spread the people who value the asset, increase that number. So it's that stark saying of number of people go up, right? Instead of just number go up. But yeah. you can't have, you, you can't have the people going up without the people appreciating the layer one. Yeah. 
As I like you need both. You really do, right? And this yeah. links everybody together. We're all on the same team here, right? I don't think that layer two makes layer one any less important or a distraction. And the last thing we ever want to do as app developers on the layer one and layer two protocol is risk anything, right? We don't want anything we're doing to screw up anything below it. And this is the, I think the correct approach of Bitcoin is that you are doing a layered approach to scaling, right? That's how we do it. Yeah. And as Our I like app this. is not going to break lightning, right? And lightning's not, hopefully not going to break layer one. This is how you, you build it in a safe and sane way. Yeah. Sorry, that was a long ramble. No, no need to apologize. Like I like to say, there's an order of operations to this and it feels like the store value, that part of that operation is being cemented and it's ingrained in, in the psyche of the masses. Like Bitcoin is a scarce digital asset that's here to stay. And Bitcoin users, people building businesses on it and, and propagating the message have successfully completed that. Like it is a foregone conclusion that yes, Bitcoin is a store value asset. It's a very good store value asset. Now, the next thing is like leveraging the network and the layered approach to, to hyper energizing that asset and getting it into more hands. And I love that user story you shared of somebody who didn't even realize they were, they were accumulating sats, uh, just doing a mechanical Turk like, um, uh, process and, and job remotely and just accumulating sats in the background unbeknownst to them. Like that is pretty massive. Like when you have people literally tripping into sats and into Bitcoin, I yeah. think that's a good sign. Isn't that amazing? I love it. And then we had a, 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 you know, I'm not proud of this part, but we had a problem with um, just opening channels for a while, technical issues with getting people paid, right? So we ended up holding on to SATs for probably 10, 15 days. There was probably a month and a half period where we were having kind of intermittent issues, just getting um, payments out to people. And so that, that was bad on us. But one interesting side effect was that we noticed it happened to coincide with this whole um, bull run in the beginning, or I don't remember exactly what month it was, but um, whenever it started, for the first time, we saw kind of balances growing, even though payments were working. And I messaged some users through the system and said, hey, um, are you having any issues withdrawing? And they're like, well, I kind of leave them here because when I take them out, then I spend them. But when I leave it there, the price is going up. So now you have an earner who was new to Bitcoin, who earned Bitcoin. They felt the investment of their time. So they value this thing because they encapsulated their time in this in Satoshis. Then they see the value externally as denominated in fiat going up. Now they have this kind of time preference shift where they're saying, well, I'm going to spend other stuff. Or I'm not going to buy that thing because the asset price is going up. Now you have a saver. That's an amazing progression, I think. And if we were, were to repeat that across millions of people, then that's how people go from just survival to um, wealth accumulation, right? So you have to see it and feel it though, right? To, to trust it, that you can be a participant in that. And it's not for other people. It's like, whoa, I, I just did it. It might only be $10 or $20 worth, but I think it's the, the recognition that's important. Yeah. It adds up over time. And just, I mean, check the stats on our, our tribe real quick, if I can. Um, I think we have something like 150 people in our tribe. It's been going for, we have 160. Wow. 
more than I more than I was uh, expecting. We have 160 people in our tribe. Just from those 160 people listening to the podcast, sending messages, sending boost. I'll just say it here for whatever. We've made 1,173,582 Satoshis. So there's like 160 awesome. people, let's say. So like today, how much is that? It's like almost a thousand bucks, right? Or more than that now. Um, yeah. Or 600 bucks, 600 some odd bucks. Uh, like that and like, all right. Do you, are 100, every, is every person of that 160 listening to every episode and streaming sets? Probably not. So we probably have a small fraction of that. And just thinking like our podcast, we get 500,000 downloads a month. Just the first time I've ever said that publicly. I Amazing. Wow. That's like, huge. Yeah, imagine if that listener base transitioned to only consuming the podcast and the value for value model like that. Well, that takes it to a whole nother level. That that's amazing. And let's decide to do this now that we have the ability to onboard people. We can give you invites that you can give out every day so that you can grow this because it's not what's limiting the growth of this tribe is not you know the number of people that you're reaching obviously right a half million people is unbelievable so get the two percent the three percent your inner circle the people who are really the diehard that whole thousand true fans concept let's get this tribe to a thousand true fans using these invites and then just see what the tribe comes up with you notice that phone icon at the top you could have a clubhouse style audio room in here the same way that you do in clubhouse right just being able to turn on a call invite people in. We need to really work on the interface for that, right? But the technology's here right now to do that. That's insane. Without the spying? You can do it without the spying? Without the Agora and Enjoy VC forks of your audio files, yeah. So um, I think that's huge. And what happened, I mean, Clubhouse is great. I mean, I've, I've only installed the app and I, I noticed the whole dark pattern where you have to connect your contacts in order to invite anyone and I'd bailed out pretty quick but um so I actually haven't experienced it so I can't really speak to it but um I think the concept is amazing um one of the guys we work with Jim talks about asynchronous audio versus synchronous audio right so podcasting is async and you should also have synchronous and uh, it's just different ways to interact with people online but if you add this payment element to it then you don't have to rely on a centralized server like Clubhouse where you could get a million followers and get kicked off for saying the wrong thing, which in a live conversation, that is going to happen, right? Um, and people these days will come after you. Um, but I actually think that going back to that young person doing stack work and on Sphinx, if, if they have the ability to experience the internet without kind of the the google and facebook surveillance surveillance capitalism what is that person like if you're a teenager growing up without feeling big brother will you have more freedom of thought will you have a different way of looking at the world that we can't even picture because we did experience this i think it's an interesting experiment experiment out there i think it's a very important one too right like we need like i say time and time again on this podcast like we have two directions we can go down we can go into the digital panopticon where we can fight for freedom in the digital age which is an uphill battle at this point but the technology is here sphinx is an incredible example of that like it is possible it's just getting the message out there and getting it in more people's hands 
Well, we don't even talk about this experiment we're running, but you might, based on what you just said, you might think this is kind of cool, but we have um, built um, what we're calling just a prototype of something called the stack phone. And all we do is take um, uh, an Android, a low end Android phone, and we put a modified version of Android on it that the only thing it allows us to do is brick the phone. So from remotely, we can send a signal to the phone that requires a password. But what that allows us to do is put Sphinx on the phone, bookmark Stackwork on a browser, and give them a login to Stackwork. And we buy the phone, we buy the SIM card, and we can give that package to a new stack worker and they can start doing tasks right away and earning and then they get paid. But because the phone and the SIM are in our name, they can, if they were to try to say walk away with the phone, which no one's done, is uh, we can just break the phone as a backup, right? But what that person does and what we've seen so far is that a lot of people can't afford smartphones in these countries. So we just take it for granted that you know, every person above 10 years old in this country seems to have a smartphone. But if we were to say, hey, there's all these people who are sharing a phone or don't have access to a phone, can we give them a phone? And then on that phone, they don't have, you know, iMessage or Facebook Messenger installed or anything like that. They have employment through Stackwork. So they just sit on the phone, do some tasks, make some money that pays for the SIM card. It pays for the phone over around eight weeks. They can basically half of what they earn goes to paying off the phone. But then through Sphinx, they have banking, they have a wallet, they have a way to store sats that they've earned. And then they have basics of social media. They can also message and they can join tribes and they can do things. So you have like employment, a phone, basic banking, right? Transfer of value and the ability to message and assemble online. And we don't know who they are. The phone company doesn't know who they are. The bank doesn't know who they are. They're a completely off the grid person. <laughs> what do you think about that? Trying, trying to comprehend it all. It's like, again, freaks, if you don't understand the gravity of what's going on, the magnitude of how massive of a shift this is, like rewind and start listening. Again. Like this is insane. Yeah, is, that's the that's what I want. I want to see phones where we're actually distributing phones and we just have the basic stack that I just went through. But they don't have a Gmail account. They don't have a face. They can get one if they want, right? But they're not starting their digital life. And I'm picturing a teenager, 14, 18, 19, I don't know, right? But just starting off, there are not job opportunities. We hear horrible stories from people um, who just are in really, really tough situations. And, and I would argue due to lack of um, good policies, you have limited job opportunities in a lot of places, right? So just because you were born somewhere, you have limited opportunities to earn, no matter how motivated you are. The system is pretty stacked against a lot of people out there. And so if we were to be able to do this, right? We're taking money from companies here in the US turning to Bitcoin, they get tasks completed in return. But then what we're doing is turning that into sats and floating them around the world. And some of those go to paying for phones and paying for service. But the people who are there who are using them don't necessarily appreciate at that moment. But what they're really doing is coming into the digital world without leaving footprints anywhere. 
and they never bought Bitcoin on chain. So we jokingly call that like the immaculate conception because you're born into lightning on a channel that we open and we push sats, there is no on-chain footprint. So that's someone who can do the entire circular economy. That's someone who could pay you sats for listening to this podcast, but does not have a KYC on-chain transaction. <laughs> I think that'll be the future. I think that'll be the majority of new adopters, right? You're blowing my mind. Following that kind of pattern. And what does that do for the privacy set out there, right? I think it's just, uh, I think it's really interesting. So. so you have an ability for people to make money, a bank to hold their money, a place in which they can access a new internet, communicate with others, a phone, all in one spot. This is ridiculous. This is like, and this is like, like a lot of, like Bitcoin adoption wet dream. Like this plays totally to like the, oh, like this is like something you can throw in the face of everybody. Like, oh, she's like a rich tech bro, technology of the West. It's like, no, this is actually enabling people in very precarious situations around the world to bootstrap uh, a job and an amount of money that, that, that allows them to get freedom in their own lives in places where they can't do that in their local economy. They just join this digital economy, contribute, and they can break free. It's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? And I think it's, uh, I, I think it has the potential. This is what I mean about just going all over the place. And this is why I feel like something, this is going to sound far afield, but this is why I think something like Starlink is so important. That's why I've been playing with it. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a Starlink, for those who aren't familiar, it's a low orbit satellite constellation from, um, it's a separate company, but owned, owned by Elon. And um, it's fast. I mean, 100 megs a second to this two and a half foot in diameter little coffee table looking dish that I was running off of a car battery. Um, then you have a big Wi-Fi antenna. Now, in theory, I you know, let's say this spreads, I could be on an island in Indonesia that is experiencing real climate warming for whatever reason, right? But your area is getting to be inhospitable to your existence. If you have this alternative and the ability to work remotely, right? Truly remotely, it just has that interesting thing. If you can provide optionality to people who are otherwise stuck in a physical location and a victim to whatever happens to be happening in the locale, whether it's weather or government or whatever it is, or, or unrest, right? This happens. So having this kind of uh, ability to communicate and earn using the Bitcoin and lightning rails is really fascinating to me. I think that is wild. I mean, we could end up not having a SIM card and not having a, a phone company pretty easily. So um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, this is the kind of, these are the kind of pieces that if you look at what we as a group are doing, we're not inventing any of the hard stuff really, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to minimize what, what our team does, but we're, we didn't write the lightning protocol. We didn't write Bitcoin. We didn't create Bitcoin. We didn't figure out how all this stuff works, but it's just, if you can combine things in an interesting way. And to me, just personally, what would be interesting is this whole concept of more people being involved. I think that is good for Bitcoin. 
it's massive for Bitcoin. And more importantly, it's good for those people, right? Which is why we're doing this in the first place, I would hope at least. Like, yeah, it's cool uh, participating in the price appreciation of the token. But again, this is about freedom in the digital age. And this is providing freedom to people all over the world. And the the Sphinx plus Starlink picture that you you shared in the TFTC tribe is just incredibly scenic you got like a railroad behind it with some mountains in the background uh and it just really highlights like how <laughs> stuff can access people in remote areas like you just described and oh it'll change real estate pricing think about how many people would love to live a half hour further out right but you need to be able to work it's a game changer yeah um, for here and I think more importantly abroad, but I think for here it's going to be a huge game changer. And I, I live up in the mountains and you know have two teenage boys now as of a couple of days ago who love to hunt and fish and get out there. So for me to have Starlink, I would I was on a eight day backpack elk hunting trip with my youngest son last year, and every 24 hours would have to drive two hours to go on a dirt road to find a tiny bit of signal to check in. It was so frustrating, but um, yeah, that's the kind of thing that this thing completely is a game changer. So um, it's still geofence and there's all kinds of details. So don't run out and buy them if you don't do your research, but it's uh, I, I think the potential is there to do, do some massive stuff. Yeah. And I mean, the early data that I've seen, the, the speed is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I really think that you could end up not having a Verizon bill, not having home Comcast. How interesting is that? So it's, I mean, big, big things are afoot, man. They are right. And and the other thing too, is like, you can do this. You can bootstrap your way to, to, to making this reality possible. Right. Cause it's just the native properties of the Sphinx app and in the way especially with podcasting like in building out podcasting 2.0 like if like we could and i think we already are siphoning off some sats to the development fund correct yeah you're parsing off sats automatically so every minute some goes to you some goes to the podcast index and you can send some sats to the app developer you can send sats to people who promote your podcast when i make a clip um, of your podcast and your tribe, when someone listens to it, I get a couple sats per minute for promoting a certain area of your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Program, it is programmable money, right? I mean, but it is, it's, you don't need a token, right? To do it. You know, you don't have to create something new, right? So if we want to just go with the simplest solution, I haven't found anything that lightning can't do um, that everyone seems to want to do out there, but it's always just so tempting to make your own money to do it. Right. And it's uncanny how often that's the right answer. And I've looked at it. And then when I first got in space, I said, Oh, how do we do this? Oh, you can make your own money. That sounds fun. And then, but if you play it out a little bit, you go, Oh, wait a minute. It ends up where it ended up. Right. So. Yeah. You don't have the network effect that Bitcoin has. You need to leverage that network effect freaks. If you're thinking about spinning up your own token uh, and the likelihood of it, amassing the network effect that bitcoin has is, is highly unlikely it's very low very low likelihood and but this is where we need developers right we need people um i think bitcoin in layer one and layer two has been has has had limited opportunities for developers to get involved 
that takes a special kind of person to do protocol dev, right? As you know, right? I mean, think about my brain doesn't work that way. No, agreed. But like, again, like, like I think the potential that is shown and, and going back to what you said earlier, you're not making that you're not making that many lightning payments. You don't actually use lightning that much. It's again, I told Ryan Gentry this when he was on the podcast a few months ago, like, I think what you guys are doing is found a perfect product market fit for lightning. That made sense. Like enabling and enhancing distributed content production and distribution while helping the creators monetize is like massive. Yeah, and Ryan's been instrumental, I think, in connecting the dots with all the people in this space, kind of behind the scenes, um, putting these things together, right? And Desiree, too, and all. And there's just so many great people in the space that have been working hard to do this. Um, but I, I mean, just to, we were talking about sort of international impact, but there's also, I, I feel like um, here in the US, Lightning can fund and do so many things that are centralized now. And one thing that's near and dear to my heart, having started with this whole keto thing, is affecting how food is produced and distributed. So um, it, things don't, things like food, healthcare, they don't scale well, right? I mean, you try to turn over responsibility of education, let's say, to an institution. How does that turn out, you know? so. That's how we ended up homeschooling, right? You just look at it and go, well, it's so convenient to hand this off to someone else to do for you. But then the incentives aren't aligned. So you end up with, I think, a, a bad outcome. I mean, a terrible outcome. And, and then likewise, hey, let me just entrust someone at the USDA or wherever to come up with the dietary guidelines. Then what do you end up with? Bad incentives. You get bad advice, right? They're talking about how to sell crops, not necessarily how to make you healthier. And so if you look at podcasts and the idea of the free exchange of ideas and being able to kind of cut through the crap and get to the truth on these things through peer-to-peer -peer conversations and free flow of ideas, then all of those things where the institutions have been skating by telling people just garbage gets harder and harder to do because you have this escape valve. You can go into a tribe and listen to what is fake about our money and then the next thing you're going to go is wow if i've been fooled by money this whole time what have i been hearing about food and then the next one you're so much more primed to question it and say all right i've been tricked once maybe i'm being tricked twice and then if you go down the line you realize wow we've gotten fat for no reason we have had people steal our time in the form of inflation we have had people call education which it isn't i mean it's indoctrination. You know, indoctrination it really is and then you live your whole life and at the end it would be horrible to look back and go oh my god i was fooled the entire time right i was that i was that person in the cave watching the shadows on the wall <laughs> i wasn't actually participating in life i mean it's not funny it's so tragic think about that i mean well, i think about it every day in terms of just I, just, I was following the whole dietary guidelines or whatever and gained 50 pounds, right. 50 pounds. Hey, make sure you have seven servings of bread a day. Right. Right. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I worked, I work a company, uh, a fitness company bought one of the companies I co-founded. Right. So I was working for a gym and gained 50 pounds. And then the CEO looked at me and goes, Hey, you know, I sell exercise, but it has nothing to do with exercise. It's 90 plus percent what you eat. Right. And how you eat and how much you eat. 
That's like exactly. one thing. I've I go back and forth, like being in the Northeast, Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey area. A lot of bread, a lot of Italian food up here, and I succumb to my vices. Or have in the past, but I've been very good. Like I got up to like 220 at one point and back down to like 190. But like it is really easy to let yourself go. And like the combination of intermittent fasting and basically no carb, I, I succumb again every once in a while, but it's usually just eggs and bacon and steak. Um, you can't lose. And I'm that. not, and I'm not religious about that. Uh, I mean, I do, I had a beer last night right outside at a ski team race. So, but as long as you have the knowledge of how the body works, um, you can you can fix unbelievable things. I mean, I was prescribed. Um, I mean, they said I was type pre pre diabetic. I had high blood pressure medication. I mean, it was just crazy. And I looked at it and went, "There's got to be a different way to do this." Did my own research with the help of family members who were into this for sports reasons. I mean, he's an Ironman athlete using this to increase his performance, and. Um, and within three months, dropped 50 pounds. It was crazy. I dropped so much weight, I got detained in the Moscow airport. <laughs> <laughs> For what? My passport photo. Oh. Did not look a thing <laughs> like me. Yeah, it was terrible. So Did you have to explain to them, no, I've just been working out. Oh, they they just were just absolutely not. They were like, this is not you. It was crazy. So that's when I realized, wow, this is pretty cool. So, but that feeling of, wow, I've been following bad advice for so long. Um, you can't get back those years of your life where you felt like crap. You look like crap. You feel like crap. You sit down on a plane, your pants are too tight. It's just awful. You know, yeah. it's awful. And, cool. uh, and then, and then something like uh, bad advice around education, you're, you know, you don't get those years back where I had my kids in a standard school for a couple of years and we were volunteering in the school realizing they're not just not doing a good job. They're actually doing permanent damage here. Right. And I had a Sphinx epiphany while you're describing that experience. Yeah. You get like this whole movement towards pods and homeschooling. Like you pay the teachers via Sphinx. Like if you wanted you to go. do like remote learning and you just get like a really good teacher as a tribe, you can fit however many yep. students into that tribe, do a Jitsi call and stream sats to the teacher. The better teachers get paid more. It's ridiculous. And that teacher could be anywhere. Right. Right. And that's exactly what we did. We, we don't, you know, homeschool is not sitting with your, in this maybe a tangent, but it's not sitting at home across the kitchen table, teaching a kid math. Like that, that's the worst version I believe of homeschool, right? It's like trying to recreate a bad model at home by yourself is not good. So we, you want kids to be around other kids. And so we um, got together, I think it was 14 to 16 kids and all the parents were into just an experiment and started a micro school. We, we rented the garage of the local science museum that was walking distance from our house. We hired two grad students to help be the coaches. It was literally a couple hundred dollars a month for kids. So the cost was not crazy. We're not talking like private school tuition. And it was nine o'clock to three o'clock. You can drop your kids off. You can be there with them. Um, I did rocket launching, I did archery, we did fishing outings, all that stuff. And it was great. People loved it. Um, so that's kind of the, I think, the bottoms up version of schooling that's working for your look. You wanted to do one for your particular worldview, right? It could be religion-based, it could be just attitude, it could be whatever, right? Um, you can have 
dozens of those in every neighborhood. And I think it would be such an improvement on what's happening today. And it's not something where you have to be able to have one parent not working or something like that. The whole point was you can drop your kids off. Um, not the whole time, that's not the idea, but it was much more of a co-op style situation than um, you know, sitting at home one-on-one -on -one with your kid, which I think is impractical and undesirable in a lot of ways. So, um, so I do think if I were to dream, lightning enables this type of thing, right? Where you're working outside of a traditional organization, you might pop into a town and be able to do this. The same kind of co-op thing with food where you want to, and we've actually been working on this is you actually pay someone to raise a cow for you via lightning. <laughs> so instead of buying beef, and literally, I think this is on, Keto Miner has a napkin with notes from our first call from, I think, two and a half years ago. And this is just the bullet points of what we were trying to do in that call. But yeah, so pay someone. And I think there's some Twitter Bitcoiners out there working on this. I can't remember his handle, but um, I'm dying to find out how they're doing it. But instead of buying beef, why don't you pay X sats per day for someone to raise your cow? This, this is the way freaks is, and you're speaking to somebody who actually just bought a cattle like and ha is having somebody raise raise it for me are you and doing that are you serious yeah, yeah. Uh, i didn't know that how, can you talk about how it works or is it was that well, is a family friend bought a farm um and in like a farm area north north of philadelphia and they said hey we're, we're inheriting some cattle you want to buy one i was like yeah they're like all right it gets slaughtered in two years but we'll raise it and take care of it Oh, you're doing it. You're absolutely doing it. So we looked into the tax implications of it if you were to buy it, just you know, with someone not a family member, but buying it off the market. And so here in Utah, the way it works is that instead of paying as a product, and I believe there's regulatory benefits as well. So instead of saying I am buying beef, which is under what the USDA, you're actually paying someone to raise your animal. So it's it's more falling under boarding service. an animal than and a service instead of buying a regulated product. And I think that's different in every state. And you should actually, I think Wyoming recently did some announcements around this too. But if we had more people, um, and I think, I don't know him, but I follow uh, a lot of what I think Bitstein writes about this is just um, being able to get back to ruminants and the whole grasslands and the root depth. I mean, there's a whole you know, Savory Institute stuff going on there. But um, these are the, I mean, step by step, I don't, I don't think these are too far-fetched. I mean, I sound like probably a crazy person talking about these things, but if you multiply each individual, you doing it, me doing it, five people who are listening to this doing this, and you have a way for people to make money by raising these animals in a humane and environmentally friendly way, these cow burps are not gonna kill the environment, right? You're actually sequestering it by doing it on grass the right way. You're not using hormones, you're not doing all this stuff. Um, the downstream benefits are so huge for everyone, including maybe accepting the pharma companies, right? Right now, I mean, Lightning Net Network's already proven that you can feed animals remotely. And raise animals remotely with the uh, the polio feed, right? Like yep. being... <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I love it. I want a tribe where 
everyone, the rancher is running the tribe. Everyone who has a cow is in there. You can ask questions. He posts pictures or she posts pictures to the, tr to the tribe. You see how your cow's doing and you just feel more connected to your food, right? And we go in and we buy these packages of shrink wrapped meat and you're so disconnected from the reality of what you're doing. Again, you institutionalize something and it creates the wrong incentive. So now they're just trying to raise that meat in whatever country it's the cheapest to do so. It's ridiculous. You're blowing so, my mind in so many topics here, Paul. But we need to do it. I'm just trying to say it to uh, get people to work on these various things. And we're working on some of them. The, the hard part has been done on the protocols and is being done. And then now comes kind of the fun part. The number of people back to the developer things who can interact with this layer is fun. Like building a bot to daily transfer my hay feed to the rancher is something that the developer could. Whereas can that same developer jump in on the lightning protocol? Probably far fewer, right? Still needed, but not as many. It becomes a much bigger funnel the higher up we go. So schooling food um you know this all gets back to that fourth turning episode i really liked i think you did a little while ago is just it's very interesting that um, institutions become less effective and need to be um, reset and you could go in and me personally i'm not going to go in and get um try to fix my local laws to do something i'm not going to run for office that's not really my personality and i don't think that I could impact, I don't feel like it's likely that I could fix this system that exists in my lifetime or my kid's lifetime. Um, and so the, what you can do is build a parallel system. And we've been doing that, everyone in this space has been doing it with money, but the same thing can be applied to all these other needs that we have. And I would argue that health is kind of fundamental to being able to have the brain space to understand something like Bitcoin. If you're in fight or flight mode, you have bad food, bad sleep, you're not really um, receptive to, to looking at something as deeply as you need to look into like Bitcoin to really get it, right? Because you're in the surface mode. Oh, well, I'm, I'm just surviving. I, I can't listen to why, you know, Bitcoin's not killing the environment. I don't, I can, you got to go two layers deep and I'm only willing to go one, right? Um, so all, I think all this stuff is tied together back to just the human brain's ability to to learn and and be open to these things and leverage tools right like so that's like our brains still haven't completely uh adapted to the fact that we have these new tools and what they can do and how we can build on them like the wheel obviously very famous example as soon as we got the wheel look at everything we have from farming technology to cars to dollies that able enable us to to move very heavy things like the internet obviously publishing media social media now lightning and bitcoin it's like a different tool that we're still just getting kind of like we're still the monkeys in the beginning of 2001 a space odyssey like gathered around the big slab not understanding what it is um, and I think maybe the shift we're going to see from all this technology that we've really applied so far has been to make our life easier, right? Washing machine, I don't wash the clothes anymore. Air conditioner, I don't get hot or cold anymore. You know, car, I don't drive. You know, I don't walk, I just drive, right? And so, but linking it back to health, the application of technology for that sole purpose is, I would argue, set us back health-wise, right? So 
what we could, what to me would be interesting in this whole little example of the cow would be how do you use something so new like lightning to actually bring us back to the way it was done better before where you shake the hand of the person who's giving you your beef that person is less likely to screw you over right and so using technology to kind of re-stitch the ties of people together. How many people know their neighbors? How many people rely on their neighbors? It's rare these days. Um, and so my wife and I talk about this all the time, but uh, food is I think a medium with the payment rails of something like lightning that could get you back to this kind of barter. Hey, you brought me over honey. I got tomatoes, right? I got this cow, I got this. I mean, those are the kind of excuses, right? It's the Petri dish of interactions that get you to reconnect with the people around you. I think it's I think it's very unnatural to be living in close proximity to all these people physically that you know nothing about. It's kind of unsettling. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's why, I mean, I don't know any, I know my neighbors directly. I live in a small town that it's predominantly a summer town. I think outside of summer is only 5,000 people. And middle of summer is probably like 40 to 50,000. And so it's very sparse down here in the off season. I'm lucky to know my direct neighbors and we talk almost every day. I'm happy are that you, my parent. Are you surfing down there too? Is that right? Did I see posts every now and then about that? Yeah. Water's a little too chilly now. Um, it's probably like 40 degrees, which is a little too cold for my liking, but uh, I'll probably get back in the water next month um, at the latest. Um, yeah, if you're if you're wearing the seven mil, it gets a lot less fun. Or people, if you see people putting Vaseline on their face before they get in the water, that's usually time to take a break. Yeah, and it's it's it should start warming up within the next month. And I only have a three two on me down here right now, um, and so that's not nearly as thick enough. <laughs> I yeah, that is, or, or that is not going to do it. Not going to do it. That's an ice cream headache in the making. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, does that help cover things a little bit? I know we don't talk about sinks that much, but now we're ready to get people on board. And, you know, I just want to say thanks to you and, and uh, Matt for everything you guys have done to help get the word out there. I mean, I think our uh, just, we're going to, I would love to work with you on A, growing the tribes, and then B, um, finding new ways to interact right so these tribes need your involvement right you it, people are there to hear your thoughts right and to and to provide feedback as well on on what show ideas might happen or connections so um if we can help brainstorm those ideas and build the functionality in i think uh i think it could be very fun yeah no I, i've got some ideas i mean what john carvalho is doing with his new podcast with the biz and sort of doing um, like a community paywall or crowdsource paywall. I think that's a very interesting topic or monetization. I love it. Has. I love what he's doing. He told me about that a while ago. I actually recorded something with him. I don't know if he's actually going to re release it, but uh, I think that was the first time I was ever recorded. So, um, but yeah, I, I love it's the Cambrian explosion, right? Everyone should come up with different models and let's see what works. Yeah. Um, and then again, one thing I do want to touch on before we wrap up here is sure. AI training, training your own AI. Like you were talking about that on the Noddle call that we were on months ago. Yeah. What did you think about that? Should I talk about that for a second and then uh, get your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of this. So, well, just like off, off the bat, off the top of my head, like I remember what really excited me about it was just the, the privacy nature of it, right? You're training it 
you're not being trained by it. Yeah, that that's exact. And and I use this example of there's a tension between myself and probably other people feel this way where I use Gmail, I, I use um, stuff, right? I, I used to use Slack, I'll use iMessage, right? Um, I have calendar, um, I have a wallet, right? I buy things and I'm always, I'm not really so psyched on tying all those things together. And each one of those companies uses an algorithm to try to, to you know, filter out from my interactions and learn about me, right? And they probably know all kinds of stuff about my behavior based on my usage of that calendar, let's say, or that email. Um, but I'm not gonna stitch it together and I personally won't use something like Alexa or something like that. But each one of those has a slice of my behavior um, and they're trying to do the best they can with what they can see about me. But what if you turn this around, and this is what I really would love to see like Noddle do with the, the hardware that they have, would be to have, and there's this idea that AI is so hard, it's gotta be run by Google. No, you can run it on anything these days if you have a pre-trained model. So what if you had your own assistant that's kind of a merger of Siri and Jarvis, right? That you want it to know everything about what you're doing so it can help you. So it knows that I have a calendar appointment at the dentist at 3 p.m. So it is able to help me with maps and with payments and with moving things around, knowing when I need to leave. That's stuff it might need. I might want to know weather if I'm going on a road trip. But all of those things are siloed right now because I use different services for them. But what if we go from all of our identities being on these cloud providers to it being on our own node? And that node, you want to know everything about what you're doing so it can do a better job of helping you. I think that's worth a lot of thought and exploration because I think that could actually make a huge difference in everyday life. No, I agree. Again, yeah, Paul, the way you're approaching all this is number one, mind blowing. And I'm just like incredibly thankful that we have a mind like yours focusing on this stuff and pushing the edge because it, it makes the vision that I believe we need to bring into fruition like, tangible to me. Like, it helps us get away from this digital panopticon and, and your, the products that you're building and the vision that you have on how to keep iterating and building on the moving forward. Again, makes it tangible. I can see the light. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're, you're, you're flashing that light, which is in, insane. We got a long way to go, man. Right. So yeah. yeah and I'd say if anyone out there wants to help out, um, reach out directly through our site, Stackwork, um, stackwork.com, email support at stackwork.com, or hit us up on Sphinx if you're out there. So um, we're definitely looking for help on that front. And anyone out there who works for one of these companies, I'll, I'll plug our, our service, right? Is, uh, we, we are definitely looking for more tasks on Stackwork, and uh, we have a good track record to show how, how we do it. And um, people are very happy with how that works. Yes. And to end it, to show respect to the tribe and Delhi specifically, the only tribe member to ask a question. I think you've answered this, but just so we check the box here. Sure. Uh, here's, I mean, I'm sure you can see the question. You're in the tribe as well. After Bitcoiners, which group of creators uh, slash people does Paul think will be next to move to Sphinx? Most surprising use case for Sphinx that you've, that you haven't thought of previously. Um. Yeah, that second one, I would definitely say 
would be um, the food one, even though I, I, I would, it's the furthest out there, right? Where um, building peer-to-peer -peer food on Lightning has got to happen. So that's out there. And then um, what was the first one again? I got, I love talking about food so much. After, I get distracted. After Bitcoiners, which types of people do you think will move the Sphinx? It's going to be the creator economy. And if you're following that whole movement of people who make a living off of any type of content creation or basically an individual, it probably was called the gig economy, but is becoming more inclusive to basically people money, you're earning money off of their ideas and self-expression, whether that's art or music. Um, we're working on a SoundCloud version of Sphinx right now, paying as you listen to music. There's a tribe actually of a great DJ who's spinning out. I mean, I'm listening to it as I'm working. So I'm streaming sats, working on Sphinx, listening to a DJ who's streaming on Sphinx. It's crazy. So he's distributing his tracks over a podcast format. It's awesome. So SoundCloud, and then we're also going to be working on um, print and video next. So all those will be coming out. Freaks, if any of you are builders, you think you can help contribute to these efforts, please, please do so. Um, this is, again, imperative technology as we move forward in the digital age. And Paul, I can't thank you enough. It's just, again, my mind is blown. I think this is going to be one of our most popular episodes to date by far. Just, the, again, the, the possibilities that have been highlighted here alone have my mind blown. Well, we have you to thank for a lot of it. So I appreciate it, man. Well, let's keep crushing. We have right. a lot of work to do, like you said. No moping yeah. freaks. Build. We have the tools. Paul, thank you. I will link to everything we talked about. And I'll see you in the tribe. Awesome. Thanks, Marty. All right. Have a great day. Peace and love, freaks.